BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Hyder, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business, or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dream Bigger Podcast. I'm your host, Sif, if you're new here, and I'm so happy you've tuned in. So I've just gotten back from Greece and it was honestly such an incredible trip. So what I loved about being in Greece was that I felt so, so good every day. And I think that that was because I was just doing like the basic pillars of health, you know, things like making sure I was getting a workout in every morning, which is not something I have previously done on vacation, but I swear to you, just like the 20 minutes of Pilates that I was doing made the biggest difference to like my mental health, how I started the day, everything. And then obviously just walking loads. The food there is just so good. I mean, it's vegetables first, lots of grilled fish and meats. And oh my gosh, it was, I was in heaven. It was so, so good. So since I've gotten back home, I have started to use this app called Tally, which is actually my hot tip for the week. So this app is amazing. It basically keeps you on track for any like small goals you make for yourself, which I find really helpful. Like I think that just seeing numbers kind of holds me accountable. So basically I made five goals for myself for the month. And essentially the whole idea is that you track it like day by day. Like it tells you like whatever out of 30 you've completed. So my goals, like my five goals are walk 10 K steps every single day, obviously more if I can make the time, but yeah, 10 K is the minimum, uh, do a 20 minute workout every day. And you know what? Like a stretch counts as a 20 minute workout. Just the whole idea is to kind of get my body moving and get endorphins flowing. Number three is going to bed before 10.30 p.m. every night. Well, actually from Sunday to Friday because I'm not gonna take that into the weekend in case I wanna go out. I don't wanna be inflexible either. You know what I mean? Then I have read for 30, 20 to 30 minutes before bed. So basically like the whole idea is don't sleep in like, 
you know, a room where technology is going off. Like I really want to just eliminate using my phone before bed because quality of sleep just deteriorates. And then number five is take my supplements every day. I found the app so, so helpful. It was actually recommended to me by um, Mariana, Mariana Hewitt. She's been on the podcast before, but she's amazing. It's, it's honestly a great app and great to kind of hold yourself accountable. So go give it a try. I think you guys will love it. So before we get into the episode, I also wanted to read out a review from Jay Barshop. And it says, it's obvious that SIF puts extraordinary effort in covering salient topics and finding guests that are authentic and truly care about being a positive force in this world. The insights they bring to bear is still mind-blowing every single time. No matter the subject, you're guaranteed to gain something from every episode. Can't recommend the Dream Bigger podcast enough. I love reading reviews like this, guys. Honestly, they mean so much to me. I love the feedback. So, you know, if you have a second, scroll down to the bottom of Apple Podcasts and there's a section that says rate and review the show. Please leave a review. Honestly, it just it makes my life so much better. It really helps the show grow and helps me understand what you guys are liking and what you're not liking. So, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. So with that, let me introduce you to this week's guest. I'm chatting this week with Priyanka Jane. She is the founder of Evie, which is essentially an at-home test that tells you all about your vaginal microbiome. So this week we say vagina a whole lot, which I think is a great thing because I feel like this is a topic that really needs to be destigmatized. So what's really interesting about the vaginal microbiome, which you'll learn in today's episode, is how much information it holds. It tells you about your overall health. And Evie is an awesome test because it kind of tells you like what kind of bacteria are present in your vagina. Like how can you improve the overall health of your vagina? What are some things that you can do, like implement? And it's very tailored to your body instead of a one-size-fits-all recommendation, which is just not how at least the female body works. I don't think any body works like that, but especially the female body. So it kind of like gives you recommendations based on your specific vaginal microbiome. Priyanka is amazing. You're going to learn so much from this episode. And I feel like just everyone needs to listen to it because it's insane how little we know about our own bodies. Like the amount of information about female health is severely lacking. And I feel like what we need to do is start to educate ourselves. And this is a great starting point. So I hope you guys love the episode. Let's welcome Priyanka and let's get into it. So the first question I always ask my guests is, what was your big dream when you were growing up? Wow, I should have prepared for that. Um, what was my big dream? So I actually thought when I was really young, I thought I was going to be a doctor. And I think I was always obsessed with the idea of like helping people in some way or another, right? And being a doctor is such a tangible way that you're having such a deep impact on people's lives. And then I went through, I think it was high school biology or whatever the class is where you have to do your first dissecting of something. And I was like, this is not for me. I literally am so squeamish. I like get so just scared looking at something being injured. I always, everyone always tells me that I'm too much of an empath for my own good where like I get too emotional seeing anyone else being in pain. Like I can't watch scary TV shows. Like I just have no ability. I would just, I would not be able to emotionally handle being a doctor is what I realized. 
Um, but now it's funny. Now that I'm doing this company, I've come full circle. And while I'm definitely not a doctor by any means, at least I get to work in healthcare um, and hopefully have you know a similar type of impact. You know, being able to actually help people feel better every day. So well, maybe we've come full circle, but you know, not to I, the full degree. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you really have though, because now you're working in healthcare and you're doing some like really like forward thinking, cutting edge things, which I like, I feel like you'll help or you get to help like a huge population this way, which I think is really, really cool. No, totally. I mean, definitely the doctors are still the heroes, but yes, I'm glad that we get to contribute and hopefully help them even have better tools in their own toolkit totally. to help their own patients, right? Because it's so, I mean, I can only imagine how frustrating it is both for providers and patients dealing with these issues, right? It's not just patients. Yeah. And I was doing obviously like some research prior to our chat and like, it's true what the whole, like, I guess, basis of Evie is. It's so interesting that women's health care hasn't really been given the same, I guess, in, in, I, I don't want to say importance or maybe it is, but like just as much attention as just male health care. And, you know, there's this idea that women are like just smaller men almost, you know, and what got you interested in this? Like what even made you notice that there was this gap to be filled? Totally. Such a good question. I mean, so I came from, you know, the data, AI, data science world, right? That's kind of what I did at Stanford. I spent the past four or five years building a very different company here in New York um, that was centered on how do we build algorithms that can make hiring more effective and fair. And you know, I've always been fascinated by the ways that data can really increase opportunities, make the world a fairer place, all of that. And, you know, I was dealing with a lot of my own health challenges. I think, you know, every woman has their own story of feeling misdiagnosed, underdiagnosed, misunderstood, you name it, at the doctor's office. And, um, you know, also COVID was going on and healthcare was, you know, on the top of everyone's mind. And I was at this amazing company, right, where so much of our mission was how do you actually build like I said, algorithms that are fair and that are transparent. And there's all these really interesting tools that you can now use on data to actually make data help the world be a better place, right? And I started to do a little bit of research and I still remember the moment I read the stat that women weren't required to be in clinical research in the US until 1993. And that was kind of my light bulb moment of like, wow, this is not a Priyanka problem. Like this is a woman problem, right? Like we, we just don't understand the female body, right? We, there's so much about it that we don't know. And like you said, you know, before 1993, women weren't allowed to be in clinical research because we have hormones. And hormones were considered a variable that couldn't be controlled for in a study. And so instead of introducing the variables of female hormones, instead we said women are just smaller men. So we'll just study men and make things smaller for women. And, you know, obviously that's not the case. And there's so many things about the female body that we're just starting to put together and just starting to understand. And our goal is to think about the new data sets that we can put together and the research that we could do to help us better understand the parts of the female body that are unique. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And that is that is wild. I guess, oh my gosh, I have so many questions. But like from there, you've read this stat and then wh- what do you think? Like you're just, you've decided that like, okay, like what about the vaginal microbiome? Like what got you interested in the vaginal microbiome specifically? Like why that? Like w- what's the importance? Like tell me everything. <laughs> you mean you don't wake up thinking about the vaginal microbiome every single day? <laughs> No. Okay. So basically I had this realization that there was 
so little research on the female body. And so, you know, being a data person, I was fascinated by what are the data sets that are uniquely predictive of health outcomes in women, right? And to me, it's like, there must be this massive data gap on understanding the female body if we weren't required to be included in research. And I was curious, you know, what are the signals in the female body that something might be going wrong? And as I always say, the complexity of the female body really is an opportunity in this case, right? Where there's so many more things that can be going wrong, right? There's so many more complexities about our body that if we were better tracking could easily help us understand, you know, something is off here. And, you know, the fact that we have so many more signals should make it easier to diagnose us, not harder, right? And the fact that Mm -hmm. even given that women in 2020 are still diagnosed on average four years later than men across 770 diseases. Like that is insane to me. So I was really curious about what are those signals that we could look for, right? And if you think about it, when you go get your blood drawn annually, right, for your physical or whatever it is, it's not like your blood is sitting there on the counter saying, you know, ask me about my vitamin D or ask me about my cholesterol, right? Those are the things that we decided are critical markers of health. And I'm so curious about what the additional markers are that we've just never thought to look for because we never really thought about uniquely women. Um, And so as I was doing this research, I mean, I interviewed 200 plus doctors, women about their own experiences, and really tried to understand where the gaps were and where the opportunities were. And I actually still remember reading this. There were like three or four studies that came out all around the same time, probably now, maybe 18 months or two years ago. And all of them basically showed that just by knowing what the microbes were in the vagina, they could predict with over 90% accuracy if a cycle of IVF would succeed. And at the time, I was really interested in fertility because, you know, I'm a young woman thinking about my fertility. And I was curious what additional markers we could start looking at to better understand, you know, why is IVF so unsuccessful? Why does it only work 30% of the time? And I was shocked when I saw that study because obviously, you know, the vaginal microbiome is only one small piece of fertility. And the fact that that single variable was so predictive of the outcome blew my mind. I'm Kat Sadler, and it sure is a beautiful day. After such a bleak year, it's time for some joy, and I cannot wait for you to hear my fresh and fun new show. I crack open about mom life, relationships, wellness, and beauty, all the things. Plus, I have provocative conversations with some of the most fascinating and famous faces in pop culture. I'm here to lift you up and make you think. Check out It Sure Is a Beautiful Day with me and you every Tuesday. And so that was the beginning, honestly, of my interest in the vaginal microbiome. And since then, now, you know, I'm obviously obsessed and have been mind blown by its association to so many things, right? From some of the most common infections in women, like yeast infections, recurrent UTIs, bacterial vaginosis, and then its effect on our overall health outcomes, right? Things like fertility and preterm birth and STI acquisition and cervical cancer progression. I've just been shocked by the fact that it causes these extremely frustrating quality of life affecting issues, and then also has these broader implications. And yet we as women have no access to that information on our own bodies. And no one in the healthcare system is really using that data to help us make more informed decisions. And so that's where where we decided to start. That is so fascinating. So for someone who has no idea and has never heard of this, what is the vaginal microbiome? What a great question. You've probably heard of the gut microbiome, right? It's a Mm -hmm. community of bacteria and fungi that exist in your gut. Your vaginal microbiome is very similar, right? It's a community of microbes, so bacteria and fungi that exist in your vagina. 
And if you think about it, you know, the vagina really serves as the structural connection between the outside world, all of these pathogens, and some of our most important internal reproductive organs. And we've essentially evolved with this community of bacteria and fungi that live down there that do a lot more than just like hang out. It turns out that they actually perform a lot of really protective and important functions for us. And more specifically, there are certain kind of what I call, you know, our local heroes down there, the warriors that are really protecting us. And those bacteria, a lot of them are from the lactobacillus family. They're producing lactic acid, hydrogen peroxide. They're essentially making the vaginal environment highly acidic, which makes it an inhospitable environment for any pathogen. So if any bad bacteria comes around, right, God forbid you have sex with someone new that introduces some new bacteria or you sit in your swimsuit for too long, you know, you just live your life. Somehow that strong bacteria loses its hold. And what, what you start to see is that that acidity, you know, basically starts to become less acidic and those pathogens start to be able to take hold, right? And so you essentially have this local immune system in your vaginal microbiome that's protecting you. And when that starts to shift, that's when you start to see things like bacterial vaginosis, yeast infections, recurrent UTIs. And because that protective barrier is broken down, that's the theory by why it's you know, then affecting things like preterm birth, fertility, cancer progression, et cetera. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. So tell me how Evie works then. Yeah, so Evie's essentially just a simple at-home test. You can think like a Q-tip swab of your vagina that you can do at home in the comfort of your bathroom. Um, you mail it back to our lab and we're doing what's called metagenomic sequencing to uncover everything that's present. And essentially what metagenomic sequencing allows us to do is sequence the entire genome. So we can look at all bacteria and all fungi that are present and not only just say, you know, if you think about what's typically, if, if any testing is done on the vagina, what's typically done is a PCR test, right? And in the age of COVID, I think we all know what a PCR test is. It's looking for an individual pathogen in a sample. And so instead of just saying yes or no on you know, one to three pathogens, instead we're able to say, actually, what is everything that's there, right? Instead of saying, is this specific thing there? Instead, you can sit back and do a much more exploratory analysis to understand everything that's present. And then you can look at what are the different roles that each of those microbes play, right? Is that a protective microbe? Is that a disruptive one? And you can start to understand what that overall community composition looks like so that you can understand how well it's protecting you, what it might be leaving you at risk for, um, and kind of all of the ways that it's uh, related to your health. So Evie does all of that analysis. We put it into our engines that we built alongside our amazing team of medical researchers, doctors, you know, some of the leading researchers on the vaginal microbiome so that then what we can give back to you is a personalized understanding of what everything that's going on down there, what are all of the microbes that are present, how are they related to your symptoms and any health outcomes that you might care about, and then what can you actually do about it, right? So do you need to reduce any disruptive microbes? Do you need to promote the protective ones? Depending on your stage of life, right? Are you in menopause? Are you trying to get pregnant? Are you having sex with someone? You know, what are some general practices that you can introduce into your life to better maintain your vaginal health? And then one of the cooler things I think about Evie and generally with microbiome testing is that unlike genetics that, you know, are stagnant, um, your microbiome is changing based on your behaviors, right? So then if you start to take a probiotic or if you change some of your practices, you can then test again and start to see if the changes that you're making are positively influencing your vaginal microbiome. 
That's fascinating. So then what are some things that we can do to kind of look after the health of our vaginal microbiome? Totally. I mean, there's obviously, you know, the basic things that you've probably heard a million times, right? You wear cotton underwear and you want to keep it clean down there and you don't want to use douches or any type of feminine hygiene products. You know, there's the the classic list. But I think what is really interesting and what we're starting to learn is that what works for one person doesn't necessarily always work for another, right? There are some people who do a certain behavior and then they're caught in cycles of infections for years. And there's other people who engage in that same behavior and then nothing happens to them, right? And so our goal is to help people understand for uniquely their microbiome, what are the things that are most likely to influence it and how are their behaviors improving or not improving their vaginal microbiome? Because, you know, there isn't a one-size-fits-all model, which is part of what, what we're realizing and why it's so important to understand what's uniquely happening for you. So then when someone does an EVI test, then the kind of bacteria you're seeing or the absence of certain bacteria, do you guys make certain recommendations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so the recommendations are kind of broken down into three groups. One is if you have a disruptive bacteria present, what are the ways that you can actually reduce that disruptive bacteria? So, you know, there's different antibiotics that are actually effective against different microbes. And so instead of trialing and airing them, we can help your doctor understand what is the most prevalent disruptive microbe and what's the best way to fight it. And then promoting your protective microbes. So understanding which protective bacteria are most likely to succeed in your vaginal environment and which probiotics or other uh, supplements might actually really help you. And then maintaining your vaginal health, right? So like I was saying before, if you're in menopause or if you're trying to get pregnant or if you're having sex, what are other kind of lifestyle changes or tips unique to you that might actually help you maintain your vaginal health over time? And what are the things that lead to the growth of bad bacteria or like unfriendly bacteria in our vaginas? Like, like what are some of those factors? Do you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it's different person to person, right? So some people have what I would call a much more resilient vaginal microbiome than others. And obviously mm -hmm. our goal at Evie is to get everyone to a place where they have a resilient and healthy vaginal microbiome. But, you know, it, a lot of the things that we've all experienced cause them, right? A lot of times sex can be a big trigger for a lot of people. And if you, you know, especially if you're a woman having sex with a man, essentially you're having penetrative sex, that can introduce a lot of new bacteria into the vagina. I mean, one of the craziest things that I remember learning is that semen actually has more bacteria than it has sperm. And so it's introducing a lot of bacteria into your vaginal environment. And like I was saying before, right, you have those healthy microbes that are trying to protect you, trying to keep the environment aesthetic, but they can become overwhelmed by, you know, semen that has a higher pH than the vaginal microbiome usually is. And it's introducing a lot of new bacteria. So that might give that, you know, pathogenic bacteria a chance to take hold or even having a really long period, right? Menstrual blood similarly has a higher pH than your natural vaginal environment. And so that can increase the pH of your vagina and make it a more hospitable environment for bad microbes, right? Same thing with sitting in your swimsuit for too long. Um, and all of the things that you know we've, we've experienced can introduce bad bacteria. And really the question is, can your vaginal microbiome fight off that bad bacteria and successfully maintain its healthy state or is that bacteria going to take hold and start to take over, right? And what we're trying to help people understand is what are their triggers and how resilient is their vaginal microbiome over time? And how can we build that up so that if they do introduce any type of bacteria into their lives, you know, like God forbid women live their life, as I always say, 
that they can, you know, be resilient through that. And it doesn't have to create infections for them every time. So say someone has antibiotics, right? Like there was some buildup of bad bacteria and like based on their EV results, like they kind of take the antibiotics that is recommended, right? Like when it comes to the gut, there is this idea that like when you take antibiotics, it kind of like kills the good and the bad. Is it similar for your vaginal microbiome as well? Yes, absolutely. And so many women, you know, I understand, right? A lot of women are really suffering. And in order to deal with symptoms, they take antibiotics more than they want to, right? And the downside of that is that you do often kill off a lot of that healthy, good bacteria, right? And, you know, the vaginal microbiome is a little bit simpler than the gut in that, you know, you know, which microbes are generally healthy and good. And it's a bummer when to get rid of the bad guys, you end up killing off the good guys, right? And part of what a lot of researchers are trying to understand now is how can you actually give that good bacteria a head start? And how do you actually make sure that if you do end up taking an antibiotic, even if your antibiotic is for an eye infection, it might still end up killing off the good bacteria in your vagina. So how can you always make sure that that good bacteria has a head start? Because once the good bacteria takes over, they actually naturally make it a harder environment for any bad microbes to live. So really, it's all about promoting the good guys in order to kind of keep the bad guys out naturally over time. Yeah, because I remember, I think it was like a few years ago, I was prone to UTIs and like literally it was just this endless cycle, like literally constantly I would take antibiotics and then I'd have to go on them again. And then like I'd get a UTI. You know what I mean? It was just like this repetitive cycle. And what thankfully helped me was like good probiotics. And now I just don't get them anymore. But like I became immune to antibiotics at one point because of how much I was prescribed them and like just still constantly getting UTIs. So it's like, it's such a gnarly cycle. You know, not even just to say, is it yeast infection or BV, but really just to say, what is everything going on, right? Because in my opinion, at least, even those diagnoses are so broad. Like bacterial vaginosis literally means overgrowth of bacteria and is extremely nonspecific to what's actually going on. And so for a lot of women, that diagnosis doesn't really help them get better. And a lot of our treatments are equally brute force. Um, And I always joke, it's essentially like the IBS of the vagina, right? It's just, it's not a very specific diagnosis. And so our goal is to be a lot more specific in understanding what are the microbes that are really affecting you? How frequently are they growing back? What behaviors are you doing that are triggering them? So we can really get to the bottom of the infections and help that good bacteria take back over and build a more resilient, you know, defense for them over time. So then is it specific growth of specific bad bacteria that leads to the diagnosis of BV? Is that is that how it works? So yes and no. I mean, the diagnosis of BV is, is kind of problematic, in my opinion, within itself, meaning that a lot of the time what's happening is that a doctor is taking a swab and they're looking at it under the microscope to see, to look for a couple of things. Like what are the shapes mm-hmm. of bacteria that they're seeing? Are they seeing clue cells? And then they look at a patient's symptoms and then there's something called the whiff test, which is literally like, does your vagina smell? And mm-hmm. a lot, most of the time, people aren't even doing a test to see what the bad microbes are that are present. It's basically, do you have symptoms? Does it smell? And does it look like there's a diversity of bacteria present? And if so, that's called BV. And as you can imagine, in 2021, I think we can do a lot better than that in terms of understanding what are the ratios? What are the good ones? What are the bad ones? Which bad one is causing the most problems? Um, but right now, that's just not the standard of care. 
And so part of our goal is to even help provide a better definition of what these infections are. Like to date, one of the leading researchers on the vaginal microbiome, he said, we don't even have a molecular definition of bacterial vaginosis today, which is crazy. It is the most common infection of the vagina and we still don't have a molecular definition of it. And so we're hoping to provide much higher fidelity information that can help us better characterize what these different issues are, how their symptoms manifest, how they change over time, so that we can help do the research to move you know, the opportunity to make this better for all women forward much faster. That is so interesting. And then once you have the data, right, like say I do an EVI test and then it kind of gives me a breakdown. Okay, like, you know, these are the good bacteria. These these are bad bacteria. And like, say I have bad bacteria present, right? And like, it's kind of like suspecting that there is BV or like that I have BV. Then like, how easy is it to treat and like, does it go away if you're just kind of looking at the looking after the overall health of your vagina then? Yeah, great question. So it's not very easy to treat and it does have a really high recurrence rate. So bacterial vaginosis has one of the highest recurrence rates in medicine. It's up to 80% of women recur within the year or within, within even six to nine months, I think 80, up to 80% of people have another infection or start experiencing symptoms again. And if you think about what our treatment is for it, it's antibiotics, right? We're like essentially throwing a bomb at the entire ecosystem when in reality, what we really want to do is shift it from an ecosystem over here to an ecosystem that looks totally different, right? And obviously throwing a bomb at it isn't going to guarantee that it's going to come out on the side that we want it to, right? And part of our goal is to provide a lot more nuance to that, right? So if you do really need to take an antibiotic, helping guide your doctor on which one is most likely to help. But again, actually, not everyone needs antibiotics. There's a lot of other ways that you can help reduce the bad bacteria, whether it's things like boric acid suppositories or vitamin C suppositories. And we can help identify, you know, are the microbes that are found in your vagina, do they tend to be biofilm producing? And biofilm is essentially like you can think about it like a spider web that they kind of build on top of their cells to protect themselves from that lactic acid that the good bacteria is creating so that it's harder for any type of treatment to actually kill off the bad guys. And so for a lot of women, what happens is they take an antibiotic and it doesn't do a great job killing off the bacteria because the bacteria have built these protective layers. And so we can help identify, is the bacteria you have biofilm producing? If it is, then you might want to take something like boric acid first before you take any type of treatment to break down those walls, right? And then next, we can help identify what the good bacteria are that are most likely to succeed in your unique vaginal environment so that you can give those good bacteria a head start so that they can start to populate the vagina before the bad guys can grow back. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh my God. That is really, really interesting. And it just kind of makes me sad that most people don't even know that this is like a thing and like how to treat it. Like it's, it's really, really like sad. And I'm so excited that like you guys have, you know, entered the chat because I think that it's going to be really, really interesting for women and it's going to, there's going to definitely be a shift. So the next question I have is when it comes to yeast infections, does that fall under the BV category? Like how common are they? What causes it? And like, what, like, I know that there's no one size fits all treatment, but like, are there things that people can do to protect against it? Yeah, great question. Yeast infections are different than bacterial vaginosis. So bacterial vaginosis is an overgrowth of certain types of bacteria in your vagina that are taking over the healthy bacteria. Yeast infections are actually the overgrowth of fungus, right? And so typically it's a 
species of something called candida. And there's three kind of most common forms of it that are, you know, classically require different forms of treatment, which is why, again, like having specificity in the testing can be really helpful because certain species of candida are actually resistant to a lot of the most common treatments. In terms of, you know, general health, I think what's interesting is that, again, we don't really have a lot of great knowledge about the best Mm -hmm. ways to prevent these infections or the best ways to prevent them from recurring, right? And I think it's something crazy, like of people who take antibiotics, I think 30% of women get a yeast infection after taking antibiotics, which is mind-blowing to me because antibiotics are one of the most common drugs that are prescribed to human beings. And again, you know, a lot of them were designed before women were included in research. And I think 30% of people getting a pretty miserable infection afterwards is a crazy just, you know, side effect of the most common medication. And so unfortunately, a lot of women who take an antibiotic uh, prophylactically take uh, an antifungal at the same time to prevent a yeast infection from coming from those antibiotics, which is very much a bummer to me that we we have to do that. Most important things are like wearing a condom makes a huge difference, basically preventing any bacteria from getting in there. Obvi- you know, there's obvious things like not sitting in your swimsuit for too long and drinking a lot of water. Some women are convinced that sugar plays a big role in their yeast infections. The research behind that is a little bit mixed. But I think what we found, at least from our own members, is that Again, what works for some people does not work for everyone. And we're trying to put the data and the research behind that so we can start to understand why do some things work for some people and not others? Is it that there's actually differences at the strain level in the pathogens that are present for them? Is it that some women's vaginal microbiomes are changing much faster than other women's? How can we start to characterize what's happening so that we can actually provide the best recommendations? Because part of the problem right now is that we don't know a lot of the answers to the questions you're asking, which is as frustrating for for us as it is for our doctors, right? And so we're really hoping that by bringing data and research to these problems, we can really change that so that we have far more specific and personalized answers to these very valid and important questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So then does the vaginal microbiome have an impact on the immune system or are they two completely separate things? Totally. I mean, all of these things are so related, right? All of the microbiomes in our bodies play a huge role in our immune system. And if you think about your immune system as, you know, the parts of your body that are protecting you from infections, then I would argue that your vaginal microbiome is a local immune system, right? It is protecting you from all of these infections. And right now, I don't think we're prioritizing taking care of it in a lot of ways. And my goal is to bring, you know, first a voice to the importance of vaginal health, right? It's not something that people want to talk about, but it's critical to our health, both in terms of our quality of life, because none of these infections are fun to have, but then also in terms of our overall health, right? And it's going to be really hard to make, make sure that we can reduce the rates of these infections and make this part of our proactive healthcare if we can't even talk about it, right? And so, you know, based on a lot of our own personal experiences, we're really hoping to elevate the conversation here, break down the taboo so that we don't have to go through these care journeys alone. And we can really elevate vaginal health and women's health as a whole to get the destigmatized investment that it really deserves on both a clinical and a personal level. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that we had touched on hormones a little bit, like literally right at the beginning of this conversation. So where do hormones lie in all of this? Like, are they like, do they have a part to play when it comes to the like uh, vaginal microbiome health or is it like something entirely different? 
So absolutely, hormones play a huge role in the vaginal microbiome. What you'll realize is that everything is everything is related. Um, but essentially, most specifically, the most well-researched uh, interaction between hormones and the vaginal microbiome is with estrogen. And essentially, estrogen produces something called glycogen, which is really important for one of the healthy species of bacteria. So lactobacillus has that really well in a fact that has glycogen. And when your estrogen levels change, right? And that can happen with birth control. It can happen with menopause. What you'll find is that that actually shifts the vaginal microbiome as well. And so a lot of women, you know, there's a lot of theories about the effect of birth control on the vaginal microbiome, which is something that we're actually hoping to contribute to the research on there soon. Um, but then also a lot of our members are actually women in menopause where their estrogen levels are going down, which is reducing the amount of glycogen present. And what you find is that a lot of that healthy lactobacilli starts to die off. And a lot of women in menopause start to get recurrent bacterial vaginosis, recurrent yeast infections, recurrent UTIs for the first time because that pathogenic bacteria starts to be able to make a home in their vagina since that good bacteria is no longer there protecting them. So there is definitely a very big relationship between hormonal changes in the vaginal microbiome. And a lot of our members have both hormonal symptoms as well as vaginal symptoms. And a lot of what we're helping do is educate people about that relationship and understanding that any changes in our hormonal environment are also going to affect our vagina. We also see a lot of that in pregnancy where, you know, women will, you know, when you get pregnant, your body is flooded with estrogen. So a lot of women's vaginal infections will actually go away during pregnancy, which is amazing. But then we'll have women come to us postpartum when that starts to change and their estrogen levels start to go down. And that might be, you know, the trigger of recurrent infections for them. Um, and so it's really starting to understand which hormonal changes are affecting which types of people and why. And as you can imagine, I'm going to say, we don't have a lot of great research to explain those differences, which is part of what, again, we're hoping to help contribute. To. It's, it's just crazy when I think about it, that like women are this like very large part of the overall population. And yet we just know so little. We know so little, which is, you know, both depressing and an opportunity, right? Because it means that because there's so much to learn, then maybe we don't have to live with these things forever. And maybe our kids won't have to suffer in the same way that we will. And we're really hoping that by focusing on the research part of it and by focusing on making sure that we have the best data that we're really starting to understand at a personalized level, right? I think the other thing that really makes me frustrated is that we treat women like they're the same when that's just not true, right? Even with the vaginal microbiome, one of the largest studies showed that um, Black and Hispanic women are far more likely to have dysbiosis in their vaginal microbiome than white and Asian women. But there's like wow. no explanation for why. It's like, is it because of genetics? Is it because, you know, douching is more acceptable in certain cultures than others? Um, and no one's really been able to get to the bottom of why those infections are so common in different populations. And again, this is where making sure that you're taking a personalized approach to these issues is so important, right? Because understanding exactly where someone is can then help you understand the best way to treat them, to prevent future infections. Um, and we can't treat all women or all vaginas like they're the same because they're not. Well, I mean, I think that this is also kind of part of a bigger conversation, which is, I think, thankfully, like starting to happen now, which is that even things like your period, right? For the longest time, it was just that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like cramps is like normal. Like this is just something you live with. And like, you know, you just bleed every month and it's this hardship that women have to go through. It was just this like almost like negative conversation. But now finally, like there is research and like conversation about 
how to optimize hormones and like how to like biohack quote unquote like a woman, you know, and for a woman. It's it's completely different from what men have to do. Totally. No, completely. And I think this is where, you know, back to our init- initial kind of catalyst for Evie and what our mission is. Our mission is obviously, you know, focusing on the vaginal microbiome and vaginal health is our starting point. But really our goal is to think about all of the unique parts of the female body that we just haven't looked into and we haven't figured out how they play a role in our overall health. Or we haven't figured out the best ways to diagnose and treat these conditions. And the vaginal microbiome is just the beginning, right? There are so many issues, like you said, in so many parts of the female body that we that we still don't understand. I mean, birth control hormones, our menstrual cycles, you know, how did the different parts of our menstrual cycles affect the rest of our health? I mean, like I said, I really think that these are all opportunities for us to live happier and more symptom-free lives, right? Because as we can start to better understand these conditions, we can start understanding how to mitigate any types of symptoms and frankly, leverage these things, right? Like, the fact that we have a vaginal microbiome is actually really cool. It's like we have yeah. amazing community of microbes that's protecting us naturally from all of these pathogens. You know, the only time we think about it is when something goes wrong down there and then we just throw a bomb at it and hope it goes away. And instead, we should be able to appreciate these amazing parts of the female body that do incredible things, right? And they do incredible things beyond just our, their ability to create children, right? And I think it's about time that we start to celebrate and appreciate all of the unique parts of the female body and harness them so that we can actually be healthier and happier instead of, you know, only thinking about them when they start to cause symptoms and problems for us. Yeah, I feel like there must be a way to like almost optimize for it. And we've just kind of not, we just don't know enough yet. But like, I think that with, you know, things like Evie there, like this is just going to completely change. And I bet you in like five, 10 years, like we're going to have just like a head start, you know, and like, we're just going to know so much more. I completely agree. One of the other questions I have is if someone is to use Evie, how can they really optimize for it? Like, I know you can just test yourself once and you get like, I guess, like a breakdown and, um, you know, any any uh, suggestions. But then if someone is really wanting to optimize their vaginal microbiome with whatever we have available today, how can they use Evie? Yeah, absolutely. So I think for people who are struggling with recurrent infections, Evie can finally bring a level of specificity to what is otherwise this you know, very long, very difficult journey of trying to figure out what are what's causing my symptoms, which behaviors are affecting me positively and negatively, is anything I'm doing helping? And for people without infections, hopefully the vaginal microbiome can help people understand how their vaginal health is related to their overall health, right? Like what I was saying with preterm birth, fertility challenges, STI acquisition, et cetera. And what's cool about Eddie is, like I said, it's really about testing over time, right? Because unlike genetics that don't change, your microbiome does, right? And it's understanding if you have a new partner or if you're on new medication, new birth control, how are those things affecting your vaginal microbiome? And how can we actually catch any changes proactively before they might turn into full-blown infections, right? Right now, in my opinion, waiting until your vagina's bacteria smells is a little bit late for us to be deciding to take, take action. And, you know, our members are testing monthly, every three months, and really starting to get a sense of how is what they're doing working so that then they can optimize their vaginal health over time. That's really, really cool. So if you could leave our audience with a few tangible tips on what they can do to, you know, look after their overall vaginal microbiome health, like, I don't know, like, are there supplements? Like, are there things that you can just do in your everyday life? What would they be? Such a good question. I mean, again, generic advice is 
it only can take us so far here, but I will try. First thing is obviously pay attention to it, right? I think that a lot of times women don't even think about it until it becomes a huge issue. But what you'll realize is that throughout your menstrual cycle, as your hormones change, as period blood is present and not present, a lot of times that can change your symptoms, right? So just paying attention to what's going on down there is really important so that you don't wait until something becomes a full-blown infection before you actually take, take action. Um, if you, if people do experience symptoms, remembering that anytime you take any type of antibiotic to match it with a probiotic, um, you know, the research on probiotics is still, you know, a little iffy, but I think that's more because we haven't done enough research on it versus them not actually being helpful. And as you said, in your own journey, I've talked to so many women who finally break the cycle of infections by finding the right probiotic that works for them. Mm -hmm. And the thing I'll say there is, make sure you look at the label because a lot of probiotics that are marketed as women's health or vaginal health, the bacteria that they have in them are actually not even bacteria that are found in the vagina. So making sure that it's not just a gut health probiotic that's branded pink for women and that you actually look to make sure that the ingredients are bacteria that are found in the vagina. Wait, which bacteria is this? So, I mean, there's a long list. Um, and I, w- within the test, we actually will recommend which one is most likely to help oh. you. And not all lactobacillus are the same is what I'll say, right? A lot of women I talk to are, you know, ch- trying to like eat tons of yogurt, even putting yogurt in their vagina because, you know, the word lactobacillus is on it. But oftentimes that's a different lactobacillus than the lactobacillus in your vagina. Um, so just being aware of that and realizing that like not all probiotics are the same is, is a good thing. And then, you know, just realizing, like figuring out what your triggers are, right? I think for a lot of women, sex is a really big trigger and condoms really are one of like the most helpful things you can do for your vaginal microbiome. And so just taking note of that, you know, condoms are helpful for a lot of things in life. Um, STI acquisition, pregnancy, all of that good stuff. And it turns out that they're also really helpful for vaginal infections. And, you know, realizing that we can at least prevent some of that bacteria from getting in there. It's really helpful. And then starting to understand how you can build up your own, you know, personal defense over time is what we're hoping to like help people do. I mean, honestly, it's a tough answer answer to have generically because there aren't a lot of things that just like work for everyone always. And that's exactly what we're trying to bring down to to the personal level. Love it. Tell everyone where they can find you. Okay. Well, I am a non-internet figure these days, but maybe one day that will change. Um, but, um, you can find Evie at Evie Bio on Instagram. We're on Facebook, I'm pretty sure. We're on LinkedIn. We're not on Twitter yet, but you know, we'll take we'll take asks for that request because we're we're still deciding. But honestly, find us on Instagram at Evie Bio or at Evie.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Priyanka. Of course, it was so nice to meet you. And I mean, I appreciate you sharing your own personal stories with. UTIs, I think all of us need to start talking about how common these issues are. And then maybe we'll realize we're not going through it alone. <laughs> Honestly, like I have been so vocal about it. Like I, I'm like an overshare to begin with, but I'm like throughout college, this was my life. Like I swear to, I swear to you for like two years, it was so horrific. And so, you know, now like I take probiotics every day and like, especially when I'm having sex, like it's so, so important. And like, it was literally like, that was my trigger. Like sex was my trigger. And like, thankfully, like now I know what to do so that I don't get it anymore. But like, people don't talk about it enough. Everyone's suffering in silence. It's, it's just, it's wild. Totally. No, I completely, completely agree. And like I said, these are the most common infections in women after the common cold. Like we have to feel comfortable saying the word vagina out loud. 
then we have to feel comfortable talking about these infections, these experiences, what's working for people. And then we need to pair that with a lot better research and a lot better data, right? And we're hoping to help spark these conversations, make people comfortable talking about these things. And while giving individuals much better access to information on their own bodies, also do the research that can really close this gap so that we don't have to live with these infections. And our vaginas aren't liabilities. They're actually something that can really help us live happier and healthier lives, which should not be not the way we feel today. I agree. And you guys are doing God's work. So I am I'm just really, really excited that, you know, this is this is a thing that exists now. And like, I'm glad we got to chat about it. Honestly, like, I think that I'm like very, very excited about the development in this area specifically. No, thank you so much. And thank you for reaching out to us and being willing to, you know, talk about vaginal microbiomes on your podcast. So you're, <laughs> you're continuing God's work. All of us are just doing God's work, which is just helping doctors do do their jobs better. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. Well, thank you so much, Priyanka. Thank you so, so much again. It was so nice to meet you. You as well. Talk soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday. So come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people. Learn and unlearn and have a lot of fun. See you next week.